Hey everybody, coming live from Cock Rock USA, it's Friends Talking Nerdy. Hey everybody, how you doing? It's Tim Jousman joining you for another episode, episode 197 of Friends Talking Nerdy. And joining me this week, live on the beach, the greatest legal mind in the Pacific Northwest, Professor Aubrey. Hey everybody, how's it going? So here we are, um, one show removed from interviewing Matt Wadsworth from AIW. I was stoked to record that episode. Yeah, did you have a good time talking to Matt? Yes, indeed, indeed, um, as, as the conver- conversation showed, because this is probably one of the few times I'm ever, I was ever going to be able to talk wrestling in a professional way with an actual professional in that business. So um, being able to talk intelligently and having like him say, good point, that's a good point. You know, it's like all those years of watching wrestling finally came to something. Nice. I really wish that wrestling was more popular and there were more opportunities for, like, commentary or analysis. Or you could write articles, right, for the for the Wrestling Times. Unfortunately, wrestling fans don't seem to be the Wrestling Times type, maybe. There used to be a magazine. There are definitely magazines out there. Um, today, though, admittedly, um, wrestling, um, the internet wrestling community as it is today is essentially um, tied to either, you know, regular social media outlets or news sites. Um, you know, my favorite pro wrestling news site is ProWrestling.net. Um, the guy who runs it, Jason Powell, actually treats it like a journalist job. So when he puts information out, um, he's he's making sure it's sourced, checked, and double-checked. Um, um, he doesn't update as much as some other sites, but that's a good thing because there are some wrestling news sites that will post anything and everything they can, even absolute lying garbage. Sort of like the New York Post where it's like they're just generating clicks. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is definitely um, – because – if there's a reporter out there, um, a wrestling reporter by the name of Dave Meltzer, who essentially created the wrestling journal journalist genre, if you will, um, he created in the late '70s a wrestling newsletter called the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Um, he's worked with uh, preeminent sports uh, reporter Frank DeFord on the Sporting News, so he has you know legitimate uh, work. And and you've actually seen him in the Dark Side of the Ring documentary on occasion. He was the guy uh, writing in that room full of papers. <laughs> He's not a clean guy. <laughs> many, many writers are that way, very disorganized and lots and lots of papers on their desks. I am totally tidy. So, no, I'm kidding. No, if you saw my desk, it'd be a different story. But, um, any, but in a lot of ways, that type of reporting is no different than the reporting that I did for, for a Latino review media. Because what he does is, you know, if he has contacts in the business, when he hears something and is able to vet it, um, he will say, that, you know, this could potentially happen. And then he also does reviews of shows. You know, like I saw this match and it was a two-star match. This was a three, whatever. You know, and um, that that kind of led the way to, you know, the, like, I said, like I said, the pop culture websites doing the same thing, like the one I wrote for, Latino Review Media. It's led to people doing uh, similar things in the podcasting world, uh, in YouTube and Twitch and all the other platforms. So, um, yeah. So would you say that wrestling was one of the first to adopt new technologies to communicate with its audience? Or do you think they've been pretty far behind other entertainment venues 
No, they, I would say, they have been, along with the porn industry, and I'm not saying that facetiously, they've been uh, ones to take advantage of new technologies. Um, For instance, pay-per-view. Pay-per-view was not a big thing until stuff like WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble started making it a big thing. Obviously, other other people will say, you know, you have people like Mike Tyson or Shirley Ray Leonard in that era too, but let's be honest. In pop culture, you were not a wrestling fan, but when you thought of sports on pay-per-view, what were you thinking of? Boxing. Or? Wrestling. Uh, yeah, one or the other. <laughs> But no, they. Um, but the, they were the first. Uh, wrestling was the first to take advantage of pay per view and made that made many many millions of dollars off of that. And then think back to 2014, what the WWE did by by being the first major entertainment company to essentially take their product and put it at, at, on an over the top streaming service like that. I mean, there were other apps like that, but they were the first big name company to take that gamble themselves. And I think this, what the success of the WWE Network showed to other companies, um, showed that people have no problem paying for, uh, you know, streaming service. You know, it's like, uh, it's like the old thing I've said again and again and again. The problem with cable isn't the price. The problem with cable is the fact that you have no choice. With the streaming wars, you now have choice. Right. You have choice, but there are too many choices, I feel like, because to subscribe to all of the services costs as much as a really nice cable plan. So to get the same thing, they figured out a way to make it so that to get to the same thing, it's going to be the same price. So it's really six and one half a dozen of the other, in my view. Now, what they're also doing, which has affected my parents and might be affecting some of our other listeners, is um, some of the streaming. Some shows are only available via streaming, Mm -hmm. and they have a very expensive, very extensive cable plan, and they're not seeing new shows because those new shows are only being streamed. So it's sort of forcing people into streaming who maybe didn't want to go that way anyway. The good news is that the streaming is included in their cable plan they just need to be able to navigate to it and work the systems so they find what they're looking for do you know what i mean like you help me all the time find what i'm looking for they need a little tim to help them find what they're looking for okay then yeah um but again wwe network was one of the first big entertainment companies like i said that did uh, that did offer that so um you know as far as the use of technology wrestling has been um at the forefront now in terms of the content they put out that's a totally different story altogether <laughs> in terms of being on on the forefront yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there there are times where they definitely are on the forefront. You know, like a few years back with uh, Becky Lynch, um, with with her her rise to fame um, and being the first woman to main event at WrestleMania. I mean, I that would I, I would say is very good example of that. Then you got bad examples, which wrestling history is littered with them. Mm-hmm. Murders, even, of spouses and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that, I mean, that, uh, yeah, I mean, that's outside of the ring stuff, inside of the ring stuff alone. I mean, with, mm. you know, some of the, like, the Iron Sheik, let's, he's a great character on Twitter. I love following him and retweeting his stuff on Twitter, but the character he was playing was, it, it was, it was racist. It was. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
anyway, <laughs> um, but that I, I uh, definitely had a great time uh, recording with him, and uh, definitely, definitely look forward to not only seeing him again, but maybe seeing other professional wrestlers on the show. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be cool to have some professional wrestlers to interview? Indeed, indeed. But in the meantime, um, as we sit yeah, here... Yeah, before the- that happens, before that dream comes true, we've got other dreams coming true. What is that? We are going to be going to Rose City Comic Con here in just a few weeks. And when we are there, I'm going to be cosplaying for the first time. And I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, and you should be, obviously. I see the results every day of the costume you are making. But uh, tell the folks at home what you will be going as. I will be going as a Twi'lek, um, which is a character from Star Wars that has two tentacle type th- growths on their head. Um, they live on a planet called Ryloth, and they've been subjugated by the Empire for for years, um, and then by the second order or the first order and like they just are down and it's a down and out planet that's been um oppressed for a long time but the twi'leks are like down to do whatever like there's some imperial twi'leks there are some rebel twi'leks there are jedi twi'lek they're basically twi'leks in all walks of life in star wars and um They're known, the women are, or the females are known for their beauty and grace. And so they're often dancers and performers and wear beautiful clothing. Um, And then I don't know what the men are particularly good at, but they've got two tentacles on their head. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, for, um, if you are a Star Wars fan, but for whatever reason can't put a name to a face as to what they look like, just think Bib Fortuna, um, Jabba the Hutt's uh, number one guy in Return of the Jedi. And Jabba the Hutt's slave dancer, who was also a Twi'lek. Yes, who had a nip slip. Yes. Yes, uh, that is, uh, that's been a long time uh, known fact about that. That, e- that I guess even in the special editions of the movie, they didn't cut the particular frame to where you could... S- the woman who uh, falls into, into the Sarlacc pit. Um, no, it's the, it's the monster. I don't know if it's... The Sarlacc is the one in the desert. Yeah, the Sarlacc is the one in the desert. It's the I don't I can't remember the name of it either, but it's it's some monster that's going to eat them. Yeah, yeah. So when uh, she gets down there, um, just wardrobe malfunction happens to guys and girls alike, and just it went up, and for a brief moment, ping ping. And I'm sure you've studied that extensively. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> When you heard it, you were immediately like, I'm going to watch that over and over and over and over until I see it. Oh, it reminds me of a character from Family Guy who um, is voiced by the actor who does the cartoon Archer. Um, he, he's, he, in Family Guy, he plays this uh, convenience store cashier, and um, anytime Chris Griffin comes into the store, he's like, you remember that movie Species? Remember at the 37-minute, 12-second 12 12 mark when, when she took her top off? Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> in fact, back in the day, there was um, a magazine that Courtney Love ended up taking the title for for the name of a whole album called Celebrity Skin, which was just that. It was paparazzi photos or um, like stills from movies where actresses had their shirts off. Wow. I, of That's course, heard that from a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. 
I'm just waiting on a friend. But, yes, you uh, took this at uh, the Rose City Comic Con. You took that opportunity to, um, like you said, do cosplaying for the first time. And it's been quite the adventure. It has been so far. It's gone more smoothly than I thought it would, actually, so far. Um, I've reached the point where um, less engineering and more art is called for. And so that's where I stumble most. And it takes me... But I'm just not satisfied with the results. And so I hesitate to start on that process or to try because I'm afraid of disappointing myself. But, you know, um, you never you never succeed at anything you don't try to do. So Exactly. And, you know, what I have been telling you as well with Rose City, once you're there, you're going to understand what I mean. Just the overall atmosphere of Rose City is probably the most creative, positive, creative feeling I've ever felt. You know, just everybody is just there to be happy because they're enjoying, you know, the fact that they can celebrate the silly things in pop culture that, you know, each one of us loves in one way shape or form so you know when you hit when you hit that hall i guarantee you you're gonna have plenty of people coming up to you and being like this looks amazing yeah um i hope so i just want to feel comfortable i want it to be comfortable for me to wear and i want it to not i don't want it to look professional or anything i i just i want people to know what it is uh, yeah, and, you know, with, with uh, the the tentacles that uh, you've created uh, that you will be wearing, there will be no mistake uh, what you are. Um, oh, you think so? Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, come on, we're, we're talking a Comic-Con Comic <laughs> scenario. I don't think you're going to find people that are going to be there that won't know what Star Wars is or what a Twilight is. So they're, I, I think they will definitely, uh, they'll definitely know and they'll definitely appreciate all the hard work you've put into making a great costume. Well, that'll be fun then. Indeed. In fact, I even tried to get you to enter the cosplay contest. I know, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's my first cosplay. There's no need for me to be in a contest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to a haunt or anything, you know. <laughs> but I'm very attracted to this character, uh, to Twilix, like, you know, that maybe my kind of thing is to be different Twilix because they're so, um, diverse what they can do and what they sort of what their story is and they're also really relatable because Ryloth is a lot like Earth um, and their society and sort of family units are similar to ours and yeah there are beautiful colors they're purples and blues and pinks and reds and the red ones are bad they're Siths oh yeah uh, so I'm not going to be red Sith uh, Twilic you're going to be peach Sith Peach Twilic. I'm going to be Peach Twilic. <laughs> Princess Peach Twilic. There we go. Um, like I said, though, um, yeah, you're going to love the overall atmosphere because, like, the first time I, I got out of Comic-Con when I went in 2016, you know, just afterwards, that's when I started writing my second book. I mean, it was just that energy. It's it, it's an energy, I guess, that, that uh, you'll f feel there. Hopefully it's there this year because um, we do have the Delta variant picking up speed. We do. So did want to talk about that. And 
As far as we know, at this point, Comic-Con will still be happening. It's um, September um, 9th, 10th, and 11th here in Portland, Oregon at the Oregon Convention Center. And I believe tickets are still available uh, for Friday. I don't know about the other days. I don't know about Saturday, but check it out if you get a chance. Um, and it's as far as we know, it's going to be happening. It, they haven't announced that they are canceling or any additional um, COVID safety protocols or limitations on capacities. So um, we kind of just don't know at this point. And I think it's one of another yet another one of those things in all of our lives where we have plans, we're getting excited about it, and it may or may not happen. So I know we've most everybody has had something like that happen during the pandemic. I know I was supposed to go to Mexico and that got postponed because of the pandemic. You win some, you lose some, I guess. I would rather have the plans to do the fun stuff and have them um, fall through than not have the fun plans. But I'm definitely hoping that it happens. Me too. Um, I mean, if it's anything like what happened last year, I, you know, worst case scenario, if between now and the beginning of September, which is a couple of weeks away, they do decide to err on a side of caution and not run it. I mean, we're not going to have to worry about anything about like not getting a refund or anything like that. But um, I, at this point, I, I, I don't know, just I think with Portland being Portland. I get the impression that Portland, even though it does see some cases, it's people are, for the most part, are doing what Their they're supposed to. vaccination suppo- rate is pretty high here. Yeah, so I, I don't anticipate it being that bad where they consider that. Now, having said that, um, compared to previous years, the list of special guests they have is not that big. Um, they do have George Takei showing up, so uh, for folks that want to see him, that'll be fun. Christina Ricci, of course, is going to be there as well. Um, but that's really going to be it. Usually in the past, they do get um, names that would, you know, if you rank them, or would be considered a bigger name. Um, like in the past, they've had like you know the current the actor playing the doctor like peter capaldi um you know showed up uh you know david tennant showed up in uh in the past stan lee showed up so you know stan lee compared to george takei you kind of get the pair which is not knocking either but in terms of overall you know percentage of population that are interested in them Right, just because Stan Lee had such a huge impact on comics and so many different stories that people are really attached to, whereas George, I think, has a resurging popularity, you know, he's not just some old Trekkie, he actually has, like, a point of view that I think people are beginning to see in his um, Twitter and Facebook shenanigans, Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, and yeah, and to be one hundred percent clear for any George Takei fan that may be listening here, I am not knocking him in any way, shape, or form. It's just we gotta, you gotta just be open with that. It would be like me being upset that somebody said that Joe Rogan has more listeners than Friends Talking Nerdy. I mean, we both put, I, you know, I feel we put out a great product. Joe Rogan feels he puts out a great product, but more people know him. <laughs> That's it. That's all we're seeing here. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of uh, the people that you can visit, in terms of the celebrities, not as much. I think there's going to be a Hobbit there too, but who cares? Um. Oh no, there's two Hobbits. It's going to be the boys, um, Billy Boyd and oh, maybe not Billy Boyd. Um, 
I don't know exactly. Aston. Sean Aston. Sean Aston. And then, and then, not Billy Boyd, but the other, not Pip, but the other little Hobbit guy. I mean, with Sean Aston, it would be cool to ask him a story about his father. I mean, his father's Gomez Adams. Oh, yeah? Yeah, John Aston. Oh. Yeah, he married Patty Duke and was married to Patty Duke for a while. Patty Duke is his mother. Really? Patty Duke is his mother. He yeah. seems too young to have Patty Duke as a mother. Oh, no, I think old. he's in his 50s. I mean, because remember, he was a child actor in The Goonies. Yeah. That's true. He was younger than me. He's probably my age, honestly. Yeah, give or take. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah so, um, I mean, it would be cool. So, yeah, I mean, it would be cool to talk to him. But in terms of, like, the big-time celebrities are not coming out in force like they have in previous years, we are going to have a number of great uh, comic book uh, creators in, um, here. Now, Brian Bendis, of course, is going to be uh, the biggest name on the list, and he's probably going to be very hard. I mean, we could probably get to a point to where we can get an autograph, but there will never be a time to where we'll be able to just walk up to his table and have a quick conversation with him. He's always going to have people that that want autographs. Yep. Yeah. Um, having said that, there will be what I'm most excited for uh, more than anything is just visiting uh, all of the other independent artists here, um, um, whether it's writers uh, or uh, artists. Uh, or, imagine that. Um, you know, selling selling their stuff, uh, selling you know the like copies of independent uh, comic books that they create. Um, it's great seeing new stories that are out there like that, and just seeing um, some of the artist alley trinkets to buy. I mean, it's there's so much great investment inventive stuff that you can buy even if it's something as silly as a super friends logo put on a white t-shirt that um you know get that at comic-con i got that at comic-con oh nice yeah so um yeah so it's just all the stuff you can do like the the, like i told you the vintage video game section um they they will if it's if it's like in in terms of the type of uh, exhibits that they have um if it's anything comparable to previous years they will also have like a huge area of various different board games uh that you can play so you know like dungeons and dragons or type of thing or other other board games that you can think of um, magic the card game magic yeah and um tons and tons of comics toy i mean it's it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be i mean it's this is the like me if i'm out shopping and you've seen me shopping i'm i'm a person that needs to know what i'm going to get go exactly to where i'm going to get and then get out of that store as quickly as possible comic-con is the one time that i'm slowing down and looking through almost everything oh my gosh that's so cute well i can't wait that's going to be super fun Yes, so uh, my prediction is that, yeah, I think it will happen. It will be disappointing if it doesn't, but what would be more disappointing is them holding it and then finding out it became a super spreader event. So um, I think I can temper my wait for Comic-Con another year if they do ultimately go and cancel it because that would be the smart thing to do if health officials feel um, it would be a danger to run it. Yeah. And, you know... I don't know when the date is, you know, I haven't been keeping as close an eye on it as I had been during the school year um, to know, like, is there an announcement coming up from the governor or from OHA, the Oregon Health Authority, people that we would hear from um, regarding further COVID restrictions. 
this, I was reading a post on Facebook from a nurse friend of mine here in Portland, and um, they were noting that people were talking about a, a peak to this wave, the Delta wave, being in about six weeks. And that's based on the prior waves and sort of extrapolating what that would be like. Um, but my nurse friend said, but this is the Delta variant, the it's much more easily spread and the models that they're using aren't accounting for that apparently. So I think we just don't know. I'm not hearing anybody sort of explain like they know what's going on. And there's a big, um, union Pacific, uh, cargo train going along the other side of the gorge, uh, probably to the port of Portland to deliver a bunch of containers to ships that will take those containers um, all over the world and bring us back stuff. Yes. So, um, as far as any official government notices, I mean, the only thing I've heard is that um, our county here, Multnomah, where Rio City Comic Con will be taking place, is requiring that regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not, you wear a mask. That's the limit of, of what I've heard, and um, it's possible they could ramp it up beforehand, but I, 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 the numbers would have to be bad. But then again, I think back, you know, like I know somebody, it, you know, the person has been on the show before, Kim the Geek, who works in healthcare as well. And she's brought up the fact that, you know, that, that being on the front lines, you see how bad things are going and that, you know, people don't realize just yet just how bad it is so um hopefully the government i think the government assessment overall that i've heard so far is that they want people who are vaccinated to essentially resume the social distancing practices that they if they can that they had during the height of the pandemic um but just if you do get the delta variant it's not going to be not potentially as severe as it would be without getting vaccinated at all Right, though, I so I, I know two people now who have gotten the Delta variant who were vaccinated from work. Yeah, and, and uh, the, you know, the moment that came out of my mouth, I did think back to uh, Kim the Geek. Kim the Geek has a friend who did pass away uh, recently um, due to the Delta variant, and he was vaccinated as well. So, uh, to your point, what you said earlier, it is completely unknown, and um, the professor... The, we have got a sea lion. Oh my god, this is awesome. This got a sea lion just dipping into the water. This is awesome. This is live, folks. You cannot get this anywhere else. It's dipped underwater. Sea lions are awesome. Yeah, so we are sitting right next to the channel on the Columbia, and there is a sea lion that is swimming along with a... Um, boat that has come you fresh from the ocean i would imagine but we saw a sea lion just tuck his head out right next to us um blow some blow some air out of his nose (laughs) and then dive back under the water and we're just waiting to see if we can see him yes another big industrial boat is going past right now i don't know if we'll see the sea line again but that was pretty cool this was not the beach we went to it was the other beach uh that had the hawk that dived into the water to grab a fish that's right that was cool 
But uh, there we got the big ship. This is just, I mean, if you get a chance to go to the Pacific Northwest, head to the beach or the forest or both because there is some beautiful scenery here. I mean, just like it is no, Oregon Trail game was no joke. This is definitely the type of land that would make me want to cross a fjord. <laughs> oh, I'd cross a fjord. And, and risk getting dysentery. Losing my oxen. Something like that. But anyway, so that is the state of the world as we are at here at Friends Talking Nerdy. Yep. That's the state of the world. It's beautiful. It's right before sunset. Everything's taking on that sort of very um, subdued, uh, saturated color of the late, um, late evening. It's like an Eagles album cover. <laughs> I'm walking home for that. <laughs> you are such a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and the sun just dipped below the horizon. It just did. It was just there when I had my head turned earlier. So you have to trust me at home, folks. It was just there, I swear. <laughs> Beautiful sunset. All right. So anything else we want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. All right. Then I think we'll wrap up episode 197. Woohoo! Just two more until episode 200. Yes, I had. S- uh oh. It's awake. Oh no. It's awake. Is this gonna come our way? It's awake. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, that big boat that just came on by. Is it gonna be that bad? Okay, that boat just, the biggest boat that just came on by has just brought a wave that is coming our way that we think may be washing up on our uh, belongings. And it's petering out. It's petering out. Okay. It's petering out. Sorry. Yeah. It petered. It petered. Peter. Anyway. So, yeah, let's wrap it up so um yeah once again definitely i was definitely excited with the results of episode 196 the conversation with matt wadsworth from aiw and uh yeah we've had a good time here at the beach so yeah so thank you all for listening um thank you all for listening 197 episodes now um and we hope you listen for a lot more episodes after that stay tuned to this podcast space every wednesday and saturday because we will have some things to entertain your ear holes we bid you adieu adieu mon ami subscribe to friends talking already on itunes the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.